This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Peter Walker, the editor of FS Tech, and today we're going to be talking about how to stay one step ahead in the fight against financial crime. The coronavirus crisis has accelerated digital transformation across all financial services sectors, but none perhaps more so than those defending against money laundering. As criminals look to take advantage of increasingly online consumers and disparate workforces, it has never been more important to accelerate digital transformation and have a holistic view of risk with the technology to back that up. While some firms have seen productivity increase with remote working, others have faced challenges in maintaining operational resilience, whether that be system access or managing staff. So today we're going to discuss some of those methods that firms are using to stay secure, maintain regulatory compliance and keep costs down. To help me answer my questions, I'm joined by Adam McLaughlin, Head of Financial Crime Solutions for EMEA at Niceactomize, which is a provider of financial crime risk and compliance solutions. He is an investigations manager with 12 years of experience in the public and private sectors, working for the likes of JP Morgan Chase and the City of London Police, amongst others. So let's dive straight in, Adam. Um, I hear this term, the holistic view, quite frequently uh, in the industry, but, but what does it really mean in practice? So it's, it, I think it's a fairly new term. So holistic's been banded about quite a bit, probably over the last 12 to 18 months. I, I think let's start, go back one step and go to the beginning uh, before holistic and see where the problems were. So historically, organisations, especially financial institutions, are very much siloed. So you would have maybe a retail arm of the bank, you'd have an investment arm, you might have a corporate arm and, you know, various other arms. But ultimately, each arm of the organization would almost work like its own business. And so it'd be very disparate between the different functions. Quite often you would have, and I believe a lot of organizations still have to this day, different onboarding for the different lines of business. So you might have completely different systems onboarding potentially the same customer across different lines of business that inherently creates risk, risk that you don't actually know what customers you've got on your books and what the customers are doing across the organization. The problem with that is, you know, certain parts of the organization, the customer might be doing certain behavior and the other parts of the organization, they might be doing completely different behavior when actually individually it looks fine. But if you start taking a collective view, you might start going that that doesn't look quite right. And this lack of holistic view across the organization is what the problem's been and this is why I think organizations are now starting to say we need a holistic view and a holistic view is simply just saying we need to be able to see what's happening across all lines of business across the entire organization not just within a certain country but if you start getting global firms even internationally you know there's still there's still problems where you don't share data and some sometimes that's legitimately you can't share data outside certain countries um, as everyone knows but other countries you can share data especially within Europe it doesn't really happen and it hasn't really happened and so I think we have to start looking how we can fight financial crime and achieve the outcomes of fighting financial crime and to do that we have to join the dots Um, and that has to start inside an organization before we even start looking multi-organization approaches and silent approaches like I said have resulted in in my view some poor outcomes you know we've maybe not taken action where we should have filed SARS 
I've maybe closed stuff out where we didn't see the suspicion because we didn't join the dots together. So organizations need to take a broader approach to understanding the customer. And this is also, I believe, known as a 360 view. So holistic view, other people might call it a 360 view of the customer. So it's really understanding the customer across the whole organization. And it allows you to then better understand the risk of that customer, which allows you then ultimately from a investigation and a compliance perspective to make a quicker assessment on what you're seeing, make quicker outcome decisions as to work out is it suspicious or not, and then ultimately fire better quality data to whether it be the regulators or the financial intelligence units for law enforcement. In, in short, holistic view is basically having a better oversight of your customer within an organization. Sure. You, you just mentioned it there. Another kind of uh, hype term is, is yeah, 360 degree view of the customer. I guess as, as, people are, as people are using their bank apps more than ever, it seems competitively crucial to be working towards something like that. But at the same time, how can that be achieved with kind of depleted and, and disparate um, teams? Sure. So uh, I think, again, let's look at in terms of the disparate and depleted teams at the moment. You know, the situation right now is a very different landscape we're in. And people using banking apps more than ever, I think there's been a real shift over the last three or four months to that. So customer behavior has changed in the last three or four months. It was changing anyway. Um, so people were moving, moving more digitally. Uh, people were moving towards using apps, doing digital banking, you know, doing digital payments and cash has been in decline and if you look if you look at some of the stats and some surveys that have been out you know people have been using cash less and in using cards more uh digital payments more etc but I, I think that's been accelerated over the last three or so months but not only that but also compliance operations have changed as well uh, over the last few months i don't want to say the word but you, everyone knows what's been going on at the moment and the pandemic uh approach but i, I just think compliance has changed and i think it's probably changed forever there's a lot more remote working actually it's all remote working to be fair at the moment uh with some organizations saying they're probably not going to go back for sort of six months to a year potentially but i think that's going to carry on so the foreseeable future if not medium longer term i do think firms are going to shift their focus to having more remote workers more often and and having that disparate team approach so i think ultimately we need to maintain business as usual still you know ultimately we're still a compliance function we still work in compliance. We still have to monitor suspicious behavior. We still have to investigate it and we still have to report suspicious behavior. That hasn't changed. There has been no let up in that change and that will never change. Ultimately, we still have to stop the bad guys from doing bad things within the organizations and monitoring that behavior. So I think now more than ever, and I'm gonna use another buzzword I'm afraid, but it's about resilience. I think resilience is the new word of the hour. Uh, People are now looking at how they can be more resilient, how they can main, maintain BAU, and how they can keep being effective and keep getting the right outcomes for the right types of activity. And I think what we need to do, though, we need to look at how we can help with this change in behavior and this change in this new normal that's going to carry on. And I, I think the way we're going to do that is by using technology. I think that's going to be absolutely critical and core to dealing with um, depleted teams. So, you know, teams have produced, you know, there might be illnesses, and but even long term, people are saying we just cannot carry on even before the situation occurred. We cannot carry on just increasing headcount and after headcount after headcount to compliance teams to keep up with the increase in demand, the changing behavior, you know, the increased digitization. 
it just isn't cost effective. You can't keep throwing money at compliance. There has to be a different way. Uh, so technology will help with that part. But then also the disparate teams with increased remote working, uh, more people working in different areas around the country, you know, i.e. working from home, basically. Uh, you need technology to be able to maintain some sort of centralized view of what all your staff are doing from an investigations perspective. Are they fulfilling all the needs of the investigation? Are they doing an appropriate investigation? Are they utilizing all the data available to them to conduct an investigation? And are they ultimately coming up with the, the right outcomes? Uh, but beyond that, is their performance good? So you also have to look at, firstly, their investigation quality and the investigation outcomes, and is it right? But you also need to look at how effective are they? You know, in an, in an office environment, you know, it depends on the organization, but you know, there was a KPI. So investigators would have to deal with a certain number of investigations per day and or per week. You know, if they're working from home, are they as productive? And so you need to be able to manage that as well. But even more so than that, I think that disparate teams are changing customer behavior and the change in compliance operations functions. 360 view is absolutely critical because if you want to make those decisions, like I said earlier on, you want to make the right decisions you have to have the right data and the right information to make those decisions effectively quickly and appropriately so that's where technology comes in so it's all about bringing everything together and under one umbrella into one platform that allows you then to look at whether the customer's a retail customer a corporate customer investment customer you know whether you know what the KYC information says about the customer, it allows you to see if there's been previous suspicious activity on that customer um, or previous alerts on that customer. So was it a fraud alert? Was it an AML alert? Was there a KYC alert or a sanctions alert? And ultimately, if you can see all that data in one place um, under one platform, that that achieves multiple benefits. So the first benefit is you can understand that risk of that customer very, very quickly. The investigator, whether they're working in an office, whether they're working from home, or whether they're working elsewhere in a remote environment, they don't have to go to disparate systems and start looking at data and putting da different data sets into, into one place and having to import that into a case platform. And I, I, the, one of the problems with that, I'm going off on a little tangent, is you know, I've experienced that before where certain systems, for various security reasons, you struggle to access it remotely. So you generally need to be in the office to access the system, which comes up with its own problems where if you're working remotely and there's a core system you need to get information from to make an investigation outcome decision and you can't access the system, what do you do? <laughs> and that, that's a big quandary that some of the banks and organizations I've heard are facing at the moment. But if you can bring that into one solution, and you've got effective governance and audit process within that one solution because there's only one place the data goes, that becomes less of an issue because you can see who's accessed the system, who's accessed the cases. You can time date stamp when somebody's made a change and you can see how long it's taken somebody to do that investigation. So I, I think that one system approach and that 360 view with everything in one place is, is absolutely critical to help achieve great outcomes. And so the tech will then ultimately help reduce alerts because you've got the data in one place, you can access that data better, you can monitor that data better, and you can make better decisions on that data. Uh, and you bring in things like AI and machine learning. Uh, again, I guess they're more buzzwords, right? But you can bring in those sorts of data pools as well. So you can start looking at anomalies, you know, what's an outlier in the data set. So you can start looking at 
truly suspicious behavior and start alerting on truly suspicious behavior rather than just having lots and lots of false positives which takes lots of time for investigators to look at obviously that takes time away from looking at the, the true criminal suspicious behavior um, and then machine learning as well if you start incorporating that into that single platform that I talked about you can then start you know it can start learning what investigators are d doing so if investigators close out lots of alerts any similar alerts that come up with the same those same sort of typologies the machine can start learning growing up well actually this isn't suspicious um, or as suspicious as the modeling thinks it is so let's hibernate that alert or you know let's close that alert out and the learning will also say well actually these these types of activities and these types of cases have resulted in SARS being involved so actually let's push up the scale and actually make these more more suspicious and say actually we predict these cases will more likely turn into SARS and so over time that, that machine learning will help investigators focus their efforts on the right types of activity and all being in one place it just makes it a much more streamlined process so you, you get high quality investigations in a quicker time scale with ultimately better quality outcomes all encompassed within a better audit process uh, so you can make sure your investigators are doing the right thing and achieving the right outcomes sure and i i suppose one of the most important tools in combating money laundering is is managing this customer life cycle via kind of transaction monitoring you, you mentioned it there but presumably proper control and good quality data is, is key to that well i i, I think the word, i think the phrase data is king comes to mind with with that one so yeah, there's a saying yeah, i think crapping crap out is is a saying that i've i've heard bantered around a few times you know if you got poor data and you ingest that poor data into the into a solution and you do detection on that poor data you're ultimately inevitably going to get poor quality alerts coming out at the end of it uh, if you get any alerts at all so data in all this is absolutely critical to get right because like i said if you don't get the data right well, you can have the best solution in the world from a technology perspective it's just not going to achieve the goals that you want it to achieve. So you need to make sure that that data is there. So you need to make sure you've got the right data from the right sources. Uh, and that can include things like KYC data, that can include things like transaction data, and it might even be third-party data you want to bring into it. So the likes of uh, premium services uh, externally who have company data, beneficial owner data, adverse media data, pet sanctions data, uh, and even adverse media data you want to make sure that you've got effectively as much data as you can because more data equals better analytics and ultimately better outcomes and better alerts so i, I think that's absolutely critical and things like making sure you haven't got duplicates because that, that's one issue i've seen time and time again is organizations whether that's through their financial crime system or whether that's just through their front office systems might have one customer but might have six seven eight different variations of a customer uh, they might have a variation in the name a variation in the address how that's typed in but what that can end up doing is creating effectively eight nine different records for that one customer well if you've got eight nine different records for one customer and people are inputting data into into the different records and the system doesn't understand that that is actually one customer you've got a problem because how can you properly risk assess a customer when you've got eight records for it it's, it'll be difficult to do that. So you have to make sure that you, you reduce duplicates and you actually have one golden source of that record, which is accurate and up to date. But, you know, the point about the third party part is you need to validate the data that you've got in the system. 
Um, and so you you do that either by looking at golden source data or you'd look at external data sources, like I mentioned. But I think one benefit of external data sources being integrated into one place is you can also enrich that data, like I mentioned earlier. So if you can validate and enrich data, you can do much better data analytics on what you've got. And that ultimately feeds into this whole point that you mentioned earlier, that the whole holistic view 360 view of a customer you've got effectively big data in one place you see a proper view of, of that customer but i think what's really really important to say on this is it doesn't stop at one it's, it's not just once it doesn't happen once so you, you don't just go oh, let's onboard a customer we'll grab the data from kyc systems we will validate it we'll enrich it with third-party data sources uh, so you know pr free and premium sources that is and we put it into one one holistic view within, within one case platform and we, and we bring transactions into that. It's an ongoing process. And the regulations actually say you have to take a risk-based approach and understand your customers. Um, and ultimately, you have to understand your customers on an ongoing basis. And so I think that means that you have to constantly monitor these customers. And it's not just a one-time process. It has to be throughout that life cycle that customers within your organization. Sure. And I suppose a linked trend to this is, is the move from batch processing to real-time monitoring. What, what are the kind of drivers for this and, and maybe the outcomes too? Sure. So I, I think this is a really good one because I'm really seeing much more traction in real-time and people talking about real-time monitoring. But what does it mean? What what the outcomes, I guess, on this and what, what we're trying to achieve? So I think things like sanctions has been real-time for a long, long time. That hasn't really changed. Sanctions, it's a outright, you know, offence. You cannot deal with a sanctioned entity or country. So you have to monitor that in real time. You have to make sure that you don't have any payments or any activity going to or from a sanctioned entity. Uh, so that, that's been real time for quite a while. But what's interesting is a shift towards other elements of financial crime in real time. KYC, for example, I, I sort of touched on that just a minute ago. You know, it's it doesn't it's not just an onboarding process and you stop and you wait for a year, two years, three years. You know, that that is the system where you've got to have that periodic review. So you, you onboard somebody and depending on their risk, you you will have to remediate them over you know after a certain period of time. And that could be anything up to maybe five years, for example, for a really low risk customer. But there's a real move to say, actually, well, why do we wait a year to onboard it or to remediate this customer when the technology is now available today to start doing that always on monitoring. You know, so if they suddenly become a pet or they suddenly become a sanctioned entity or individual, raise an alert. If there's suddenly adverse media on them and not just saying, you know, I think this person might be a crook uh, because, you know, it's, it's not really validated there, but something tangible, it says this person has been charged with money laundering. You'd want to know that at the time that news alert comes out, you don't want to wait a year, two years before you remediate the customer because potentially what could happen is you might have done a remediation on the customer and then literally a day after that remediation was signed off, there might be a news announcement saying that this person was just suddenly charged with money laundering. If you followed an old process and you had no way of automating the monitoring of that customer and always being on and always listening for changes, then it could be another year, two years before you pick up the news and you do another remediation and go, well, actually, two years ago, a day after we remediated that customer, there's actually news in that article saying that they were a money launderer and they were charged with it. So the risk is there that you potentially had that customer on your books for one, maybe two years, where there's news out there knowing that this person was a, a convicted money launderer and that could create problems for the organisation. So I, I think firms are realising that risk and they're starting to realise that the technology is there today 
and I can do that always on, always monitoring uh, and listening. So it's not just adverse media, it could be anything. So if a customer changes their address, for example, alert. If the customer changes lots and lots of data about themselves, raise alert. If there's anything third party, uh, anything else like a UBO or ultimate beneficial ownerships or the corporate changes their address quite a lot, raise an alert. So there's lots of things you can do in real time with that always on, always listening. Um, so you have an absolutely accurate risk score on that entity or individual, and you can make sure that you assess them and work out whether you want them as a customer very quickly after that announcement comes out rather than waiting one or two years. But what I'm also seeing isn't just from a KYC perspective, but also from a transaction monitoring perspective. So AML, uh, transaction monitoring, is something that there's lots, lots more talk about is whether we, rather than doing batch processing for AML transaction monitoring, whether we move to real time. Again, in the fraud space, it's something that's been done, you know, trying to stop fraud losses from organizations. They will try to monitor customer accounts in real time and try and put some sort of payment block on if they suspect there's a fraudulent transaction on a customer's account. That's nothing new that's been going on for, you know, a number of years now and, and organizations, that's, that's almost the norm. But AML has very much been in the batch world. But interestingly, the Estonian regulators uh, regulated um, last year, I believe it was early last year, that organizations had to monitor high risk transactions and high risk scenarios in real time with the ability to block that payment. And that's, that's a real game changer that's a real shift in views from regulators and Estonia I think I believe is the first one to do that but like I said they've actually put into regulation now that financial institutions who operate in Estonia will have to do real-time AML transaction monitoring not across the board but for certain scenarios that the organization believes are high risk um, transactions why, why is it happening I, I think is the, the big question so we're seeing a move to it absolutely but but why quite simply I think it's because we don't capture enough um, illicit wealth. We don't report enough, quite simply. So we, we follow thousands of SARS across Europe, or actually hundreds of thousands of SARS across Europe yearly. Um, very few of those apps actually result in any investigations, and even fewer probably result in convictions. And if you look at illicit wealth, you know, the estimations of illicit wealth globally, you know, we're talking trillions a year is laundered globally. And off that, we're, we're capturing 1% if that, um, or we're identifying 1% if that um, annually. So what we're saying is actually 99% of criminal wealth is going into criminal hands for them to use to their heart's desire. So I, I think the shift we're seeing is because we need to do more to capture the money. We need to do more to identify the illicit wealth. And we need to do more to make sure that we're not six months down the line before we report to the law enforcement. Because you know if that's, if that's how long it's going to take you to report, um, then the chances of that money getting recovered is fairly slim. Uh, so we need to try and get ahead of the game and make sure that we're on the ball here. And actually, if we can do stuff in real time and get information to law enforcement in a timely manner, there's more chance that they can conduct an investigation and recover those illicit assets and start recovering more money from the criminals. And, and more so, you know, if we can do stuff in real time, and actually monitoring real time, we've even got the opportunity to actually start blocking payments and informing law enforcement that payments have been blocked. So the criminals don't even get their hands on it because we can try and get ahead of the game and start getting those assets before the criminals get their hands on it. So I, I think that's why we're seeing a shift in it. And I do think it's it's an accelerating shift. And I, I do believe, you know, if you look in the next maybe 12 to 18 months, I, I think we'll start seeing more firms um, expressing an interest in this and actually starting to look to implement solutions in real time, both across transaction monitoring and KYC.
Interesting. Yeah, well, you've you just brought me on to kind of the final future-facing question. I guess all we've been talking about today has suggested that companies, financial services firms, should be investing in this kind of stuff. But at the same time, uh, we're going through a recession or we're just on the on the brink of one. So, um, yeah, purse strings will be tight. Do you get a sense of, of um, kind of how much money potentially there is to be spent on this kind of stuff and maybe what, what the threat landscape looks like? Is, is that going to be a driver in, in the next year or so? Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I do think Budgets have been tightened and belts have been tightened because of what's going on. And like you say, the, the recession, I, I think it's it seems it's almost going to be inevitable that we do go into a recession uh, probably this year, maybe in, into next year. So firms are going to be a lot more tightened in terms of what they spend. I, I do think compliance has a place up there in terms of the priority list, because ultimately if firms get this wrong and they do get this wrong, and you look at over the last few weeks even, there's been a number of big fines issued to firms for getting it wrong so i think the, the fines ultimately if you if you get it wrong and you haven't got the right solution in place to mitigate the risks that you're exposed to then i think the fines may outweigh the, the cost of the, the solution that you're you're purchasing to mitigate that risk so so i, th I think there's that balance in that but i do think because of that that risk of fines always hanging over the heads of the of the financial institutions i do think that compliance will be up there in terms of a priority list um, to get budgets however you know i've got to caveat that there has to be the right business case you you can't just say to you know you can't just say to a, a business and the the purse holder and say i want i want a compliance solution i want to modernize and i just want everything new because there has to be a reason to want to do that so i think if you just said i want i want some money to do this i think they'll tell you to go away uh, I, th I think the, the buzzword of the the season at the moment and I, I think you mentioned it in your opening introduction is resilience Resilience is, is really something I'm hearing a lot now where people say we need to be resilient. You know, we've got disparate teams, we've got remote workforce. We have to make sure we're still resilient because the regulators aren't letting up. The regulators are still making want us to be on the ball. We still have to maintain BAU, but our working environments are very different and they will be very different for a long time. So resilience is the new word of the day. And I think resilience in terms of priority lists has probably gone up uh, in terms of getting budgetary approval. I, I think it is important though for financial institutions and organizations who need compliance solutions to work with the technology vendors because i think technology isn't the golden bullet but it's a core part of the strategy to ensure resilience and ensure compliance so it's really important i think for firms to pick the right technology but also the right technology vendor and work with them in partnership um, to understand the outcomes because ultimately there's no point in getting technology for technology's sake. Uh, you, you know, you, could, you can go and get everything in the world and say, right, I want to implement all this technology and this is going to be great. But I think you have to understand one thing, your outcomes. What are you trying to achieve with this technology? And the only way that a technology vendor can understand effectively what you want as an outcome is to work with the organization. So understand what the drivers are, understand what the needs are. You know, if resilience is, is the problem, well, why is resilience a problem? What is it about resilience that you need to mitigate the risks of? And I think once that can be understood uh, by a vendor, they can then uh, they can then put the appropriate solution in place and say, this is what I think you need and the outcomes that you're trying to drive to, this is how we can help you get to get to those outcomes. And so that then gives a business case. Uh, and that business case, you know, if it has the right, reasons for doing it in terms of risk mitigation i think that will get through um, budgetary approval so uh, i think it's all around you know 
better audit, better control, uh, greater resilience, uh, and you know everything we talked about in this in this podcast around 360 view, holistic view, centralization of data. I think is another thing that will help mitigate risks with these sort of disparate remote workforces. And I do think if you can do all, the, all of that with a technology vendor and work with them to get the right outcomes, you know, yes, there is going to be an outlay um, initially um, to purchase the software, but I think your return on investment will probably be exacerbated down the line because actually you get a greater return because you've, you're more efficient, you're more resilient, you can adapt, you can change, you can see a, you can see a customer holistically, you can do quick investigations and get better outcomes always sort of reducing false positives. So I think the greater good, if you like, from working with a vendor and understanding your risks and looking to mitigate the risks with better outcomes, I, I think, yeah, I, I think you will get that through. That would go through budget, budgetary approval. I think there is budgets for those sorts of programs um, if done right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hope so. And, and look, thanks for answering my questions today, Adam. Um, before we finish, how can listeners find out more about these topics and about Nysactamite? So if the audience want to find out more, they can email us at asktheexperts at niceactimize.com. Alternatively, they can follow Niceactimize on LinkedIn. Or if they've got any questions for myself, um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Adam McLaughlin. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, send me a message or set up a meeting and I, I'm happy to have a chat. So all, all, any three methods will work. Brilliant. Okay. Um, thanks again then. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.